Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market. Hey, North Texas food fans, welcome to Eat Drink DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week, we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor Aaron Bookie, and today we're back from a two-week holiday break and ringing in 2023 with what we're saying yes to for the new year. Restaurateur Tanner Agar joins us to talk about his new effort to fund employee benefits and how diners are responding to it. We'll also be talking to Brandon Friedman of Dallas-based Rakazan Tea, and he'll tell us how he learned about tea while serving in Afghanistan and Iraq and how we can make tea the right way at home. It all gets started right after this. Central Market is really into food. Like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make every recipe in the cookbook foodie or a my favorite recipe is reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com. Welcome back, everyone. Be sure to go to dallasnews.com slash food after this for information on our show and lots of food and drink stories. And you can always share your thoughts with us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Later on, we'll be talking with Brandon Friedman of Roxanne Tea. But right now, I'm joined by food writer Claire Baller and restaurateur Tanner Agar, owner of Rye and Apothecary on Lower Greenville. Claire, you wrote last week about what Rye and Apothecary are doing, and we got a lot of feedback on that from readers and diners. Claire, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so not long after the holidays, I think right on basically New Year's Eve, you guys announced that you were adding a 3% charge that mm-hmm. was going to um, fully go to providing employee benefits for your employees, which is something that you had been wanting to do for a long time. And now was finally the time you were able to make this change for not just Ryan Apothecary, but any future concepts that you guys may have. This caught my attention. It caught Aaron's attention too. I mean, we don't see this kind of thing that often in Dallas. And so it was definitely noteworthy for us. And um, we were eager to talk to you about it. So we wrote about it and got quite a lot of feedback. And I have heard that you did too. So we wanted to have you on to talk about it. So first, can you just tell us an overview of of what exactly this is that you guys decided to do and why? For sure. So what we're doing is at the end of every dining experience, we have added a 3% charge to every ticket, which supports our employee health and benefits fund. That benefit fund provides major medical insurance. It provides paid time off. It provides a list of other benefits that goes directly to the team. We don't keep any of it. In fact, we have to pay more out of our own pockets in order to provide for it. It's the way we're financing our employee health and benefits. We haven't raised prices to go along with it. This is the only thing we've done. And we've told anyone who wants to opt out that they can do so. So how many employees do you have total? This will cover about 20 people because you have to be full-time to qualify for the health insurance. Other benefits uh, that aren't health insurance and paid time off, those would qualify for anybody who's in the restaurant regardless of how many hours you work. And so what kind of response have you received so far from employees and then also from customers? Yeah, so firstly, the employees have loved it. This is the very first time a lot of these people have been offered paid time off or have been offered medical insurance. Maybe people don't know this, but restaurants are not a place to go for those kinds of benefits. I personally, I own the restaurant. I haven't had health insurance either. In fact, this is the first employer who's offered me health insurance. 
I haven't had health insurance since 2014. That's what we're trying to do is try to do something new and make a change in this industry. When we rolled this out to our team, they loved it. When we rolled it out on our social media platforms, everyone loved it. It's our number one performing post that we've made on Instagram all year long. Wow. The shares, the comments, they're all incredibly positive. It wasn't until a week later when someone ran it in their newspaper <laughs> that we started getting trolled. <laughs> Oops. No, so we really appreciate you sharing the message. Obviously, we wanted to get it out there, but it's interesting to me that everybody who was a part of our ecosystem loved it. Right. And a lot of the feedback we're getting or the people trolling us on our Google reviews, we've looked in our system and based on their comments and also our data, these are people who aren't even eating at Rye who are hating this program. So that's something where we look at it and say, did we do this wrong? I would say no, because the people who eat at Rye seem to like it. Okay. So maybe we can <laughs> jump into some of the responses that we received um, and then give you a chance to respond and kind of explain to the people who we've heard from who who are confused by this, who don't seem to understand why this would be a decision that you'd make and why it's quote unquote fair to put this cost onto diners. Here's one. I think it's terrible. The tipping system in this country pushes the burden of taking care of employees off the employees and onto the whims of customers. The 3% surcharge is just a price increase. I believe people will take it out of the tip. What's your response to that? Do you do you think that people will do that? That they'll see this 3% charge and say, okay, well then I'm going to tip less than I was planning to? So that's one of the things we were really concerned about when we put this together. And we tried to be really intentional about how we rolled it out and think about the ways people would push back. To that end, people have threatened to do that. And yes, I only have eight days worth of data, but that hasn't happened at all so far. Not a single one of my staff has come to me and said, I'm getting penalized because of this program. So perhaps that will happen. We have a lot more services that we're going to roll out. But so far, the public doesn't mind it, nor are they penalizing the servers because of it. Well, okay. So here's another, here's another one for you. Providing benefits is a cost of doing business and it should not be listed as a separate line item on a customer's receipt. What's next? A line item for equipment replacement or remodeling? Yeah, uh, that reminds me of a Google review we got. Okay, <laughs> Might be the same person. <laughs> yeah, maybe the same guy. Okay, so first of all, if you buy anything from any corporation which provides benefits, you paid for those benefits. It doesn't make sense to me to say it's not your responsibility to pay for it when you are paying for it from everyone else except for us. Right. And it's just a matter of how you are seeing that cost, right? And I think that's, that's what is really grinding people's gears here for some reason is it being an itemized cost with a purpose attached to it. Right. The purpose being that, quote, someone wrote this on our Google reviews that we are servants. So apparently mm. as servants, we don't deserve to get to take vacation like you. We don't deserve to get to see a doctor like you do. Wow. Are you kidding me? That's brazen. That's what you want to say. This is your soapbox. The big thing you want to stand up and fight the man on is restaurant employees seeing a doctor, which by the way is A, a good thing for you so you don't get sick when you dine with us, and B, it's an optional charge. It says that on the signs posted in our restaurant. It says it on our website. If you scan the QR code on our menu to see the whole policy, it says that you can opt out. People are roasting us over something they don't have to participate in. Instead, we could have raised our prices 5%, told no one, and pocketed all the money. Is that what you want? Is that better? 
that's a great question. And as you know, and as we have covered in the past, is that there are restaurant operators who pad their bottom lines with charges like this that are said to be used for employees and then not really, it's not really done in a very transparent way. You made the decision to be very transparent. So it's just kind of interesting that there is the pushback that there is. Yeah, and a lot of the criticism of, has been that this is not transparent and it's a hidden fee. And it's like, no, no the, it's the so point <laughs> is that it's telling you what it's going to. Yeah, I appreciate that because that was our whole point. That was one of our major points was this can't be something that just shows up on your tab all of a sudden. Right. I don't understand how I can make it more transparent <laughs> than talk to the newspaper, put it everywhere, teach all of my staff what it stands for and how to explain it to people, and then... Be in the restaurant in person myself to explain it to anyone who has actually come to Ryan Apothecary and finds themselves confused by the policy. So I'll read you one more of these negative ones, and then I have a, I have a positive one okay, for you. Because this kind of feels like mean tweets. <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Okay, this one says, I think this is a terrible idea, and I hope that restaurants don't pick this up as a thing. Consumers are tired of being surcharged and feed to death. Basically, this is a deceptive trade practice. No employee is going to provide any different service because of the 3% markup. At the end of the day, just tell us the price of the thing so we can pay that or not. Don't hide the ball behind fees and surcharges. Everyone is tired of tip culture gone amok, yet we are all just forced, fed it, and expected to be okay with it. To address both their points, just tell us the price and we'll pay it or not. Fantastic. So it's the price plus 3%. <laughs> there you go. I solved that problem for you. Um, I thought the math was pretty clear. Again, you could opt out and then the price would be just the price with no surcharge. So it's really up to you. And I'm pretty sure we're the only restaurant in the city of Dallas that has a it's up to you charge. However, moving on to their other point, I didn't invent the tipping culture in America, and I can't change it unless we go to no tip at all, which some restaurants have done. And then, sure, we could just tell you that it's a 22% fee to eat here, and that's our service and charge, and that's everything. You don't get to choose what you want to tip. That's the fee. So that would be one option. We're not going to do that because we still think the guest should have agency in deciding how much the service was worth. But to their other point, if you think people aren't going to do a better job when they have health insurance and paid time off, then I'm sure you should go talk to your employer and tell them that you no longer require any vacation or any health insurance, but you won't be having any difference in your performance. I'm sure your boss would love to hear that. You talked about this um, with me when I interviewed you for this story, was that even if you just look at it purely from the point of a selfish perspective, wouldn't you prefer to be served by people who can go to a doctor and get medicine if they're sick. They're not standing there in front of you, unable to receive basic health treatment like that. And people who are able to take some time off every now and then to visit with family and friends and probably be happier when they're standing in front of you too. Like it's just kind of an interesting thing to think that there's no benefit to that. It is benefit. And especially when you come to places like ours, which are built around people, and it's built around the way that they talk to you, the way that they serve you, and their creativity for what they create. How are we supposed to be able to serve at the highest level and create at the highest level if we're burned out, sick, and miserable? And why, why do you want to eat at a restaurant where everyone is burned out, sick, and miserable? Why is that the world that you want to help create? Well, on that note, I, I mean, I think it's fitting that we talk about Noma. I'm sure you saw yeah. the news that Noma, um, which has been declared in the past the top restaurant in the world in Copenhagen, is closing. 
And the chef behind it has said that this model, this ultra fine dining model, it doesn't work. And he has said that out right now and is closing the restaurant because this model doesn't work. If the number one most creative chef in the entire world can't figure it out, I'm so sorry I couldn't figure it out either. I'm just a guy. <laughs> I'm not Rene Redzepi. I really wish I was. But the problem that people aren't really thinking is that this is the future. Every restaurant will tell you they can't find anyone to apply for jobs. Four people walked in on Friday after you ran your article and asked us if we were hiring. Wow. I haven't had more than one person walk in any individual day of the entire last year that I can recall. And four people unsolicited came in asking for jobs. People do care about this. My team cares about this. And what's going to happen is we're going to make this move and our team is going to do a better job. Or what's going to happen is when I go to hire, I'm going to be able to get a better person. And my restaurant's going to be better. Our team is going to do a better job. We will create a stronger community, which makes the dining experience better, which will make us busier, which means my team will have benefits and amazing pay and a great environment. That's going to enable us to grow. But it's going to enable other restaurateurs who come to me because they're already texting me that- <laughs> Like to see how it's going so far? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because this is the <laughs> thing everybody talks about maybe we should mm. do. It's easy to drink too many beers and say, we're going to add on this fee and no one's going to care. But they do care. Uh, they care a lot, it turns out. <laughs> um, although I will say a shout out to a lot of our guests who also care as much in the complete opposite direction. Mm -hmm. I had a great note I can show you of someone who said, we read the article, we're here because of this fee, this is what we believe in, the food was amazing, we can't wait to come back. It's a very polarizing thing, and it's easy to focus on this negative, but for the other restaurateurs who might be listening, I have people praising us and telling us they've come to the restaurant or will come to the restaurant for the very first time because this is something they believe in. Too many people left food service during COVID, and the only way to solve that is to better take care of those people or turn all of our restaurants into robots. And yeah. we're obviously not going to be doing that, especially in Dallas, where we are growing like crazy with doctors and lawyers and technology and finance and oil. We're not growing with chefs and servers and bartenders, mm -hmm. meaning... We've got to prize and reward the ones we have. Okay, well, I promised that I'd give you one positive one, so I'll read this one to you oh, thank <laughs> quickly. God. So this, this woman wrote in and she said, I feel that what Rye and Apothecary has done is a good decision. If the proceeds from the 3% charge go to the wait staff and kitchen staff in its entirety, I certainly would have no problem dining in a place that uses up that charge to improve the quality of life issues for their employees. Those people need to enjoy the types of benefits and perks that are found in other employment arenas. This approach seems much more reasonable than those establishments that are forcing upon patrons a required gratuity of 15% or higher. I haven't been to Rye or Apothecary yet, but we would not let that 3% charge stop us. If someone can drop $150 on dinner for two, then $4.50 doesn't seem like a lot. Thank you. <laughs> you should email that person and copy me because I would love to buy them a drink. <laughs> this is my favorite email so far. <laughs> Thanks, Tanner. Stick around. We're going to talk with Rockazon Tea founder Brandon Friedman, and then we'll hear from some of our listeners about their big plans for 2023. Central Market is really into food. Like when we say cheese, it's in 12 languages into food. Butchers, bakers, and sushi roll makers into food. We're talking so obsessive about quality you can shop blindfolded into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then let us turn your shopping list into a treasure map. Get inspired, get adventurous, or just get a chef-made dinner when you've got more taste buds than time. No place makes every meal more amazing like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com.
Welcome back, everyone. We decided to kick off 2023 in a chill way with some tea time. We have special guest Brandon Friedman joining us today, and he's the co-founder of Rockson Tea Company based in East Dallas. He's a combat veteran who served in Afghanistan and Iraq, and he founded the tea company five years ago with fellow veteran Terrence Kamalf. They source premium tea from smallholder farmers in post-conflict countries like Vietnam, Rwanda, Myanmar, and Colombia. So you just celebrated your five-year anniversary of Rockson Tea, is that correct? Yeah, we did. We um, we started selling in November 2017. How have you grown over these last five years? I know like three of them have been during the pandemic. Yeah, so when we, we started, we, we did a Kickstarter. We didn't have a store or location or anything. And um, uh, we got a about a 200-square-foot office in a building in Deep Ellum on Elm Street. And uh, we were in there for three and a half years. It was cool being in Deep Ellum, but Toward the end, it got pretty crowded. We were, I mean, it was very tiny, and uh, we could barely walk around in there. So about a year and a half ago, we moved to uh, Bryan Place, and uh, we've got a store now at uh, Rawson Hall. Much bigger space, so um, we've opened up a store so we can not only sell online, but also sell the customers walking in. So tell us a little bit about the mission of Rock on Tea. Sure. So bottom line is uh, we promote peace and economic development by importing tea solely from post-conflict countries, some of which have unfortunately turned into current conflict countries. Right. Um, but the, the whole idea is to give farmers in uh, economies that are recovering from war, give those farmers an opportunity to reach Western consumers or American tea drinkers, which they haven't often had in the past. Most tea in the U.S. comes from China, India, Japan, places like that. So we're getting tea from unique places that you can't often find here like Rwanda, Myanmar, uh, Laos. The reason that's important is because tea is very much like wine. The terroir in which it's grown impacts it a lot. So it's just like you have people who like Sonoma wines or Italian wines or French wines. It's the same thing with tea. And so how do you define post-conflict country? Like you said, there are some that are current conflict. Um, it's, it's pretty rough. It's very subjective. Um, yeah. We look for countries that are still emerging economically from the shadow of war. And that shadow can often be very long. In some cases, like we have the Sri Lankan Civil War ended in 2009, so it's very recent. So we import from there. But we also have, uh, we also get tea from places like Vietnam. Uh, the Vietnam War ended in the 1970s. They had a war with China in the late 1970s. So it's been 40 years, but, you know, a country like that is still sort of coming out of it. We really enjoy getting to know the folks who are involved and helping them reach American tea drinkers, which it's always been very difficult because there's such established supply lines between China and India and Japan and Argentina with, you know, the American tea industry. So we found our, our little niche and uh, we're having fun with it. How do you do the groundwork to find these farmers to work with? What does that process look like? It's like being a drug dealer. <laughs> um, so there, there's two types of tea industries. So there's the commodity tea industry, which is like the tea bag stuff. That's a huge, enormous industry. And then you've got the specialty tea industry, which is premium loose leaf. A lot of this is artisanal tea, you know, hand rolled. And it's a very small community and sort of everybody in the specialty tea business around the world kind of knows each other. So it's a matter of networking and getting to know people and sort of working your way in. And uh, I mean, we have weird conversations like, hey, I, I, I know a guy, you know, who can get us 10 kilos of the Himalayan gold. <laughs> you weren't joking. You know? <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> you know, and you, you get to know people and, you know, you have a, a tea producer in one country and they know somebody. I mean, th this happened. It took me a year and a half to find a, a fixer in Vietnam who knows the farmers. Is that and what you call them? Fixers? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, 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 I'll do an aside here. So, so we never have more than one person between us and the farmer. Okay. In about half the cases, we work directly with the farm. And then in the other half of cases, we have what we call a fixer, a, a person who knows the farmers really well, who we trust. And that way we can sort of um, maintain quality control. 
you know, it took us like a year and a half to find our, our guy in Vietnam who was a British expat who works with these North Vietnamese farmers and brings their tea up to Western standards. And uh, he was like, yeah, I know, I know a woman in Laos, you know, she's German and she works with the, the farmers in Laos and they make this great tea. And I was like, oh, can you give me your email address? And, and that's just how it happens. It's a lot of networking and who knows who. And eventually everybody's friends on Facebook. I think we all remember at least a decade ago, maybe more when independent coffee shops became such a thing mm-hmm. in Dallas, Fort Worth. And I've since that day been waiting for independent tea shops to become as big of a business, uh, in part because I really like tea. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about this this morning because I'm listening to this podcast about that's set in Birmingham, Alabama. Nope. <laughs> I'm listening to this podcast that's set in Birmingham, England. And tea is like this weird side character, right? Because you go to interview somebody and they make you tea and you sit and you drink it and you talk. And I just, as a journalist, I just really like the idea that there's some ritual around speaking to someone. And yeah. I know that a lot of countries, you know, experience this ritual. Of course, not just England. When's the day, do you think, that indie tea shops are a thing in Dallas just like they are with coffee? Yeah. <laughs> oh no uh, <laughs> yeah you might be waiting for a while really yeah um i mean we're doing our best here yeah uh trying to introduce folks in, in dallas and texas and all of america to tea but um you know it's still very much a coffee country yep you know if if we could help you know expand tea consumption here in dallas i mean we would we'd love to and we're, we're working on it but to your point about the ritual to me coffee is sort of the, the go drink uh-huh. tea is the stop drink coffee is a very solitary beverage um, it's something that you consume on the way to work. You know, people say, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. Sure. And you, you have it while you're in a rush and you're trying to get into the office and you stop by Starbucks and get your coffee. Tea, on the other hand, is the stop drink. Tea is what you drink when you want to slow down, hang out with some people, sit down and have some good conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, that's sort of the history of, you know, afternoon tea. Yeah. And, um, it's very much a social communal beverage. And that was what I very much enjoyed about it when I sort of learned tea culture when I was overseas. And so about when you were first introduced to tea, like mm-hmm. in Afghanistan, was it primarily Afghanistan? Uh, I did most of my tea drinking in Iraq. Oh, okay. Uh, I did it in both, but I'd worked a lot more with locals in Iraq and Baghdad, northern Iraq. And we didn't do anything uh, with anybody unless it was over tea. This was interesting to me because I had never had hot tea in my life. Wow. Until I went to Iraq. Yeah. <laughs> um, I grew up in Louisiana and uh, everything was about iced tea, sweet tea. Sweet tea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I always thought it was gross. Um, <laughs> I never drank it. Uh, I'll have water, please. But I went to Iraq and, and there was this totally new thing. It was hot tea. And in Iraq, they, they have these little teacups, these little like Turkish teacups. Uh, and they fill them like three quarters of the way full of sugar. Uh, and then they pour like black bitter tea over it. It's really good. It's like dessert. For me, I thought that was just how tea was consumed. I thought that's just how you drink tea. And uh, it wasn't until later, you know, years later that I learned there were a lot of other ways to drink tea, you know, without the sugar. And But the reason I kind of got into it was being in Iraq and, and drinking tea with these people who lived there, um, it was always kind of an oasis amid the chaos of the violence and the, you know, the conflict and the war. And tea was, again, the stop drink. And it was where it was a time where we could just sit and relax and talk with Iraqis who live there and listen to them and communicate. It was a moment of calm uh, that we didn't get often over there. And uh, I, always, I took that away from the war with me. And, uh, you know, when I came back, I tried to recreate it. And there's just, again, there's not much tea culture here in the U.S. About that kind of bringing the tea culture, how have you been trying to do that? I know you started with um, mostly the premium loose leaf tea. 
but then just last year started providing the tea bags kind of more yeah. for convenience. Was that something people requested more of? Yeah. Yeah. The market sort of told us we had to do that. <laughs> uh, we didn't want to go out of business. Um, when we first started, you know, we were going to be, oh, we're just doing loose leaf tea. We're going to go buy the best tea and it's going to be, you know, the hand roll loose leaf, uh, very premium stuff. And we're going to convince everybody to drink it and buy it and enjoy it and do the ritual. <laughs> Meanwhile, all the people with the money, <laughs> the customers yeah. like, but do you have tea bags? <laughs> we, we realized really early on that it wasn't that even our tea drinkers who enjoyed the, the ultra premium, you know, rare teas, they traveled and they were in a hurry and they often made tea with tea bags anyway. It was just, you know, the economy of it sort of dictated that, that we were going to have to move into tea bags. We'll eventually probably have to move into ready to drink cold brew. And and we're never going to get away from the, the premium loose leaf. You know, that's what we really enjoy. That's what we like. Now, how do you like to drink tea? Is there milk or sugar? So I've kind of evolved. Uh, when I first started drinking it, like I said, uh, I drank black tea with a lot of sugar. Pretty quickly, once I got into the business and started being exposed to a lot of different teas and stuff, I realized that I was getting more out of it by learning learning to appreciate each tea on its merits and its flavor and its aroma without sugar or without milk. So for the most part, I drink tea straight. Um, I will in the winter sometimes if I want, you know, something that's kind of cozy, I'll have a spiced chai and I'll, I'll put milk in it and maybe a little sugar. So how much tea do you drink a day? So that's a funny question. I actually don't <laughs> drink a lot of tea. Really? <laughs> yeah. What? And it blows people's minds. Like, like you own a tea company. Now I pro I probably drink tea three four times a week. Oh, but you're talking like the the ritual, the loose leaf. So I don't enjoy tea in a hurry. Mm -hmm. I don't like being rushed when I'm drinking tea. To me, tea is what I drink when I can like sit down, and look at Twitter, or <laughs> yeah, sit, or sit down and you know be, sounds relaxing. Either be, left, <laughs> either be left alone or hang out with somebody in the office and and have conversation. Like I don't like to be rushed. I'm kind of reminded that tea is an excellent gathering drink that's non-alcoholic. Yeah. Because yeah. when you said when you like to drink tea, those are the times when I like to have a cocktail yeah. or a glass of wine or a beer, either with friends or alone. Yeah. It's dry January right now, yeah. and in my house, we're not drinking. And yeah, tea just seems like a great way to like sit around with people and actually have conversation, but without drinking, because it might be 2 p.m. That And that's how, it's, that's how it's used in a lot of Middle Eastern countries. Yeah. Where they don't drink alcohol. And instead of bars on every corner, you have tea shops. Over, I like that. It's over tea, not beer. Tea brings people together, and that's that's sort of the fun of it. And so, Claire, I know you're not a big tea drinker, but you had some no, questions. I am. Oh, you are? I am. Oh, you take okay. it back, Erin. Okay, sorry, uh, I take it back. No, I love tea. So, Claire, I know you had some <laughs> questions about how to make tea. I do. Okay, so I know you said that you don't tell people how to drink tea, but I want you to tell me how I should be drinking my tea. I love tea, <laughs> but I always feel like every, and I will say I use tea bags. I mm -hmm. just, um, at this point in my life, don't have that much time for the, for the ritual, although I would love to. So, yeah. but every time I go to make tea and with a tea, a tea bag, I'm always wondering, am I doing this right? Like how long am I actually supposed to leave this sitting in here? And is there like a magic temperature that I should be using? Like what could I do to yeah. make my little humble tea experience at home better? This is one of the issues with tea is that you can mess it up. Tea is sensitive to the amount of tea, the temperature of the water, the time you steep it, and all that can impact the flavor that you get out of it. Um, black tea, if you steep it too long, it'll, it'll get really bitter. Do you drink green tea or black tea? Or I drink something else? all of it. Yeah. Okay. So generally you want to steep different teas at different temperatures. Uh, black tea and herbals, you want to do at a full rolling boil, which is 212 degrees Fahrenheit. So as hot as you can get the water. Uh, green tea, however, uh, you want to 
steep it at a much cooler temperature. So about 175 Fahrenheit, which uh, if you don't have uh, an electric kettle or a thermometer, um, that's when the you first see very tiny bubbles right at the bottom. Okay. And then the steep time is also, you know, black tea, generally around three minutes. I can already tell you I am doing this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of people, and, and, and this gives, you know, it makes me break out in hives. If I'm in a coffee shop or something and somebody puts the, the very strong tea bag in their cup and they just leave it in there. The whole time, yeah. And they're drinking yeah. it off of it for 15 minutes. And it's like, that is tar. Yeah. Like you're, that, <laughs> I know better than that, but I, I think I definitely, well, and I think sometimes I'm hesitant to make sure that I don't leave it in yeah. too long. And then I go to drink it and I'm like, damn, that probably could have been left in there a little bit longer. So I think it sounds like I need a thermometer and a stopwatch. Electric kettles are great. You can have a target for like 45 bucks. We need um, an Amazon link here so that we make yes. money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I found one that was only maybe like 30 bucks, but yeah. it has like the actual temperatures. Like you oh, can set it for yeah. 212 mm, or like great. 175. Mm-hmm. That's neat. Um, yeah. And I know, Brandon, on your teas that you, you put the suggested temperature yes, and stuff yeah. so for each one. So that's always Yeah, that's we always put nice. the suggested time and temperature. Thanks so much, Brandon. And to our listeners who want to start a new tea habit in 2023, check out the Roxanne Tea Store at Ross and Hall Streets or order online at roxantea.com. Stay with us. Coming up in our next segment, we'll hear from listeners about what yes means to them in 2023. That's right after this. Hey, listeners. This is Christopher Wynn. I'm the arts and entertainment editor for the Dallas Morning News. And that, thankfully, includes the food team that you're listening to right now. What I love about this beat is that food stories are people stories. Restaurants say a lot about who we are, our culture, and the health and well-being of our communities. If you want to help continue supporting this good work, it's easy. Just subscribe to the Dallas Morning News and become a member. You'll find a special offer just for listeners at dallasnews.com listen. Welcome back, everyone. Feedback is really one of our favorite things, so please email us with your thoughts at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. Today, we're going to hear from listeners about what they're going to say yes to in 2023. Sarah, you recently asked folks about this, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what you mean? Sure. When a new year starts, I think it's a great time for new beginnings. What I also find, though, is that people out in the world tell us what we're not supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And if you want to choose for yourself not to do something, I think that's okay. It is totally not okay and in fact, really gross for grown adults to tell other grown adults how they are supposed to behave because it's a new year. I don't get it. I've never done that to other people. I don't think I don't want somebody to do it to me. So I asked our readers in a positive spin, what are the things you're doing this year that you're proud of? What's your yes? And I got so many cool responses. And we asked a couple of them to, in their own words, tell us what your one yes is. And some of these are about food. Some of these are not. It's just an inspiring look at what the people who listen to our podcast want to do this year. Hi, my name is Doug Davis and I'm from Dallas, Texas. My plan for 2023 is to do 65 things while I'm 65 years old. I'll do new things, old things, things I do every year, and things that make me happy. Stuff like drinking beer, eating barbecue, going to concerts and shows, traveling, Maryland and Colorado currently on the agenda, and having multiple dinners with friends. I like that one because it doesn't sound too tough. No. <laughs> well, in 65 things is a lot, you know, yes. so he's probably calculating what these things are. Yeah. He's going to look back on that when he's, I don't know, 66 or 75 or 92 and say, these are the things I did in that year. This next one's going to be a little tougher. Hi, my name is Joanne Walker and I'm from Frisco, Texas. And my plan for 2023 is to continue to help increase the number of underserved school children who receive a nutritious breakfast in the rural areas of Jamaica. 
who hope to impact a thousand school children in 2023 through a Dallas-based 501c3 nonprofit. Without it, the children would go through most of the day without a meal, and it's difficult to learn when you're hungry. There are no words to describe the feeling of helping change these children's lives. As a friend once said, I may not have any biological children, but I actually have over 900 children as of today and hope to reach 1,000 this year. That is my plan for 2023. How lovely is that? That is awesome. That's amazing. This next one comes from Neil. Hi, my name is Neil Cobb, and I'm from Plano, Texas. My plan for 2023 is this. I'm doing one little thing 30 days in a row, so maybe I'll have the start of one great thing when the 30 days are done. Author Austin Kleon calls this the 30-day challenge. So far, I'm writing 1,500 to 2,000 words a day to capture life stories for my kids and theirs. After that, which I hope will now be a habit, I have another 30-day challenge ready to tee up. That's amazing. I mean, as someone who writes professionally, I'm impressed by his word count quota for the day. That's amazing. (laughs) And also such a special gift to give your kids. These are all so selfless. I know. I know. know. Yeah, exactly. I feel all of my resolutions were based on me. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Well, and that's okay too. At the end, I want everyone to say what your one yes will be. This next one from Johnny is something we should probably all be doing. My name is Johnny Pegues, and I'm from Irving, Texas. I have decided that my one yes thing in 2023 is to awaken each morning with a positive attitude and do something to better my little corner of the world each day. That can include things as diverse as being sure to plan my errands so that I use the most efficient route and conserve gas, thereby polluting as little as possible. Taking my reusable bags to the grocery or picking up that little piece of plastic or paper in my yard and recycling it instead of letting it blow down the street. These may seem like small goals, But if everyone does just a few of the same kind of things every day, we can make a real difference. Thank you. Thank you, Johnny. Johnny was raised right. Honestly, the hardest part of all of that is the waking up with a positive attitude. (laughs) I told it was like, I have broken that already nine (laughs) times this year. (laughs) Kirby's is really sweet. Hello, my name is Kirby Warnock, and I'm from Fort Stockton, Texas. And my plan for 2023 is I'm going to try to be more like my mother. Not becoming a woman or becoming more effeminate, (laughs) but trying to emulate more of her characteristics, which focused on being kind and polite. My mother was the kindest woman I know, next to Diane, my wife. She never had a mean thing to say to anyone, even if she thought that they were pretty sorry. She always kept any negative comments to herself with the remark, I just won't have that ugly talk in my house. She read her devotional every morning and served on several church and community groups in our hometown of Laurel, Mississippi. Her favorite saying to myself and my late younger brother was, don't ever let anyone be more polite than you are. In this age of saying what you feel and keeping it real, I'm going to try and be more like my mom, Kathleen Warnock. These are so sweet. I know. That's why I wanted to share them. Isn't this such a nice way to like get back into this year? Yeah, Let's all is... be more like Kirby's mom. I think I need to change my yes to be more like Kirby's mom instead. I was um, listening to a special one time about Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, and what an amazing person he was. And I was driving thinking I need to be a better person. I should be more like Fred Rogers. And then I had to swerve really hard because I was about to run over a guy on his bicycle. <laughs> and I realized I should probably just focus on my driving because being a good person is clearly too difficult. (laughs) Speaking of that, we need to go to the next one. Hi, my name is Kate Newman and I'm from Dallas, Texas. And my plan for 2023 
is to learn how to park correctly. That will be both suffering and something good. Problem is, this is the same thing I promised last year. Oh my gosh, that's great. I believe in you. It's a benefit for all of us. Yes. Um, so those are those are the yeses, and I got a lot more via email, um, but I just thought it would be cool to share. Now, I want to go to each of you. Whoever wants to start can start. What are you doing this year that you're proud of? Okay, so I haven't thought about it that much except that I need more me time, kind of what Julie was saying. Like, I feel like mine is kind of selfish, but I haven't really done a lot of these things in the past. And, you know, so questions like, should I get a massage? Yes. Should I take a walk because I need some fresh air? Yes, I'm just going to take that time that I need. This kind of came from our recent trip to San Antonio where I really wanted to go to the Alamo for some reason. Like I had not been in a really long time and I was like, I need to see the Alamo again. But no one else in my family wanted to go. Even my husband, my nine-year-old, they're both whining kind of the whole time. And I was like, you know what? We're going to do it. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to enjoy myself even though there's whining, (laughs) which is the hardest part for me I think yeah tune it out you know like I I actually had a good time at the Alamo like that was was very enjoyable for me and I don't even remember the whining so (laughs) which is why Erin I think your motto for this year should be remember the Alamo yes (laughs) anytime you need to draw the boundary for yourself to have some me time remember the Alamo yeah Claire okay so I I think mine is going to be keeping my food garden alive Uh uh-huh it's something I always say I'm going to do and I want to do and then I just don't do it but I'm, I, you know, I'm kind of tired of shoveling out money for herbs at the grocery store and then using like 3% of them yep. and throwing away the rest. And it's just wasteful. And I know that with a little effort, I could have my own herbs and be, you know, more resourceful with that. So that's mine. My mom is a prolific gardener. Uh, her mother is a prolific gardener. And... I know I can do it. So you guys can hold me accountable. And do you have like a garden outdoors? I have a little small raised bed in our Mm -hmm. backyard and um, it has been kept alive for various periods of time in the past. The recent freeze did it in. So I'm choosing to look at that positively as a clean slate. Yeah. I'm going to start fresh. I love that. I also love, um, for people who don't have an outdoor garden space, the Aero Garden. I have one of these in my kitchen, and it's amazing. Like, you can get the little pods for, you know, basil, cilantro, and you can grow it right there in your kitchen. And then you don't have to worry about the freeze. Yeah, or like rabbits. Like, we have a serious Mm. rabbit problem in Plano. No one can keep anything growing outdoors unless you, like, put barbed wire around it or something. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) You need a Kevin the Snake. We Ooh, have a little wait, plastic, what? Kevin the snake. We have a plastic snake that we keep in our garden. What? That we name Kevin. <laughs> but you have to move him around. Do you have to oh, name so him they, Kevin? Uh, no. He could be named anything. <laughs> if he's going to be a cool snake, he needs to be Kevin the snake. But wait, yeah. you have to move it around so the rabbits don't catch on. Yes. That's, yes, because we have rabbits and squirrels. Because the rabbits had a town hall meeting and they were like, at the Fisk house. <laughs> yes. I think Kevin is not real. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to move. But the squirrels are diabolical because they will take a tomato and take a few bites and then put it back up on top of the fence. No. So my husband will see that they ate some of it but left the rest. It's just a they major taunt. F you. Yeah. It is. Uh, Julie, do you have one? My big ones this year, um, you know how you always have those things you're like, oh, I should fix that. I should work on that. Yeah. I'm doing all of that. Anything, my vision's been bad. I got new glasses. Good. Um, my doctor went crazy. I got a new one. Like oh, all the- Sorry about that doctor. <laughs> I'm kind of nervous about him or her and the rest of the patients. Um, 
But the other big one is embracing my age because I am turning 53 this year and I'm still, you know, grappling with getting older. And so I'm going to let my gray come in. Yes. So um, my 15 year old daughter noticed it recently and said it looked cool. So when you notice it, please just tell me it looks cool. It does look cool. (laughs) Yeah, great. That's awesome. You'll do a great job, Julie. Thank you. What about you, Sarah? Okay, so a little yes that I'm doing is I'm going to think about breakfast every day. Um, I don't eat breakfast with my kids. I make them breakfast and I'm getting them dressed and I'm doing their hair. And then usually it gets late. Sometimes I skip breakfast or sometimes I eat a weird breakfast. And I've just decided like I would enjoy a bagel with cream cheese and some smoked salmon on it some days. Other days I would enjoy just something healthy and light. But if you ask me nine times out of 10, I either ate a weird, embarrassing breakfast or I ate no breakfast. So that's something small. But uh, something a little bit bigger is I'm going to do some sort of movement or exercise every single day in 2023, including on days when we take a road trip on a vacation, including days when I'm at a bachelorette party later this month. I got this inspiration from a friend who is just very fit and happy and has said she's going to do 30 minutes of exercise every day and she's very lenient on what that means. So they get to the hotel and she just takes a walk around the block with her ear pods in or she goes downstairs to the gym and just walks on the treadmill or she bounces around in the pool with her kids at the hotel and calls it 30 minutes. So it is not, she's not training for a marathon. She is not doing the elliptical at high speed and some days she does that. So I'm taking this inspiration and kicking it down a notch lower. There's not a 30 minute requirement. It is just some sort of movement or exercise every day. Sarah, this is actually one of my goals for 2023 also. So I'm glad to hear that someone else is on this train and I want to know like, do you have a plan of oh, what I, this means? Because I'm trying to figure that out right now. Okay, you, you and I are similar in this way, I think, Claire. I bought myself a small calendar, and it's on my bathroom vanity right now, but I might, like, hang it up in the bathroom. And I and you, we are to-do list people. I feel really good about achieving something. Mm-hmm. So with this calendar, just on accident, came stickers. Nice. Okay? <laughs> and the in, on the inside of everyone is a seven-year-old who just wants to be praised. Yes. And so... Every day that I've done my movement, I just put a sticker and it's not the same sticker because it's like, it's a booklet full of different kinds of stickers. But um, the first day I did a gold star because I did nice. did feel like, <laughs> and job. I did a 10 minute ab workout that was sort of hard and I, it hurt the next day. So I am stickering each day. And I do think that if one day goes without a sticker, that's going to make me feel bad. And that's going to be motivation to not do that the next day. Stickers are smart. Okay. So for me, we both have young children. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to find the time. Are you, is this going to be more of a morning thing for you or evening? What works better? So far it's been evening. Everybody's in bed. We've already eaten and I'm either walking or doing some crunches or something like that in my bedroom. I have not yet mastered the early morning exercise. Never since I had kids, so it's been seven years, have I been able to get up before the kids get up and go do something like that. I know a lot of moms who do it because that's the mm-hmm. only time. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work for me. So I recommend yoga in a big way. Just pick up a yoga mat and take some yoga classes because if you can even work in 15 minutes of yoga, whether it's a challenging pose or just some stretching or something, your body will respond to it. And you respond to it mentally as well. And it's exercise. Plus it feels really good. It's almost like a back rub in the middle of the day. So that's actually one of mine is trying to get back into yoga because I used to do a ton of it and I miss it so much. But that's a good way to kind of work in the exercise that you can do at night too before you go to bed and it doesn't amp you up the way like cardio would. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good point. I love the stretching. Like I've been doing a lot of that lately. I actually got a Fitbit for Christmas. 
Ooh. Ooh. And actually one of mine, um, one of my yeses is to sleep more. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Fitbit, mainly I got it, yeah, because I want to track like my movements and move more and stuff like that. But I'm kind of obsessed with the sleep tracking. Yeah. Like when it tracks how much deep sleep you get and how much REM sleep. Isn't um, it incredible it, it's to learn wild. how how poorly you've been sleeping? Yes, yes. And it makes me really go to sleep early because yeah. I'm like, I don't want a bad score. Because yeah. <laughs> it'll score you. It'll give you like 83 f- you know, good. I, 76. Fair. I totally get like <laughs> gamifying all of this, uh-huh. whether it's the ca- like the calendar is its own non-video version of my little game with myself, yeah. which is that I like to do things well all the time. And so I don't want any single days, not in the whole calendar that says that I haven't moved that day. Yeah. I guess that means I need to think of my garden as like a little Tamagotchi. Like yes! Channel, yes! channel my childhood self. That Such was a 90s like reference right there. So worried about keeping my Tamagotchi alive. <laughs> yeah. And it will reward you. It's true. You it will. Know, when you yeah. take good care of it. Can you yeah. please bring us some vegetables? Yes. I'm so nervous saying that, but I'm going to just say it so that- I know. Now people are going to call in and be like, well, what's Claire got this week? <laughs> And that's all the time we have for Eat Drink DFW this week. Thank you all for joining, and I hope we've made you hungry for more. We also want to hear from you, so share your food thoughts, favorite restaurants, or tasty recipes with us at eatdrink at dallasnews.com. The show is produced by Julie Fisk. To stay up to date on every episode of this show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. You'll also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Aaron Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Eat, drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market.